It's the Staley Bridge Celtic Lockdown Podcast, sponsored by Olds Beer and More and the Celtic Beer Hut. Aha! Stay tuned for more. We're here on the uh, seventh episode of the Staley Celtic Lockdown Podcast, and we're joined by Craig Dupson. So I'd just like to welcome Craig onto the podcast. Are you okay? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, the episode is sponsored by Olds Beer and More and the Celtic Beer Hut. Their socials will be in the description and on the video. Um, just go and give them a follow on their socials. The Olds Beer and More is a new bottle shop that's going to be open up in Market Street in Staley Bridge. So make sure you pay a visit when it's open. The Celtic Beer Hut hopefully reopens when uh, we're back playing. We're going to talk about Dukes' career and uh, what he's up to now and, and sort of focus on his Staley Bridge Celtic career. Um, we originally you you started out at Preston as a trainee um and you were told that you weren't tall enough so the you didn't you didn't make it there sort of how did that all come about ending up yeah, I, was, um, I went i went i went to Preston. i never did i didn't go yts or anything like that i, I stayed at um, i stayed at college my dad sort of said you need, you need to make sure that you're um someone's waving see you um, <laughs> i'm just um Said, oh, you need you need to make sure you stay at college. You know, you never know what could happen. So I went to Preston, um, and then I, I remember getting getting the conversation just as I sort of decided that I was going to do a bit of both. They just said they called me in and said, um, "We're going to." Well, I remember the conversation. They said to me, "Dad, can you let us know how tall these grandparents are?" I remember my dad sitting there, and I still remember. It. I don't even. Well, I do know why I remember it because it's funny and amused me. So well, his grandma was six foot two till she had her legs off, and now she's four foot. So I don't know you want to work it. <laughs> and I, I just remember sitting there thinking, "Yeah, that's uh, that's me done." And then that was like just before I was going to college. And then in the summer between school and college, I went from sort of five foot five to six foot, just in that summer period, like eight nine weeks. Um, don't be wrong; I must have weighed about four stone or something, but you know, I, I significantly shot up. And that, well, that was it, like Preston, and that was me done. I never, you know, the keeper the year older than me was Dave Lucas. I was never going to compete with Lucas. He was, he was far better than what I was, so it might have been an excuse for them to, to get rid, maybe, I don't know. So you, you you go on to Bamber Bridge, and I think you made your debut against Staley Bridge. Um, do you think it's good for a goalkeeper to go into a games when they're, early, when they're early on in their career and get that men's footy in? Yeah, I think so. I think... You know, it was good for me because I'd gone to Morecambe before it to Bamberbridge, sort of, and I, I was tinkering around. I was playing in the A and B team then every week. We are playing against, like, Man United and Everton, and it was, like, the golden era at Man United. We were getting walloped every week, and then I never never broke in the first team because I, I was still young. No one's ever at that level that Morecambe were going to risk putting a keeper my age in. And plus, we had Steve McAlagy, who was coming to the end of his career. But, you know, I wasn't competition for him. I was more just a training, training partner. Went to Brig. I played in a pre-season friendly for Bamber Bridge against Preston, against North End it was. And every year, North End had walloped Brick. And that year we drew. And I had an absolute worldie. Sort of everything that got hit, hit me. Um, and I think Sonny Greenwood then ran me up and said, you know, do fancy it? It was quite a week. And at, about at Morgan, I wanted to get paid. I was relying on Kenny Mayers, who obviously ended up coming to Staley Bridge. Yeah, Kenny Mayers was having to we had to beg, beg him to transport me up and down the M6 to Morecambe every week in his XR3i. Um, you know, so I wasn't getting paid. I wasn't, wasn't getting a penny. Um, 
But then I went to the brig, it's on my doorstep, because I'm from Adlington, which is only sort of 10, 15 minutes from Bamber Bridge. 60 quid a week. And it was the best thing I ever did, because it, it just toughened me up. You know, away from football, I'm, I'm probably as soft as but at football. You know, I'm, I'm no shrinking violet. I don't mind getting stuck in when I'm at footy. So it's, uh, it was, it was probably that. You know, I was surrounded by men. There was no kids in that team. It was, it was, a, it was a tough team that we had. You know, the Unibon then was was a hard league. There was a lot of money knocking around as well. There was quite a lot of teams that had a bit of cash. And we did really well. You know, we had a good cup run, but it, it was probably the best thing that could have ever happened. And I, and I try and encourage people to do it now. You know, like David May, I've got to say I'm the reason he went to Brentford because I'm not. But he was at Blackburn just playing in the 21s when I was coaching at Southport. And I begged Stephen Drench to get Blackburn to release him. We could come and play men's footy. Because I think as a keeper, I think you've got to play men's footy. But having watched under-21s football, apart from the obvious fact I'm over 21, I think that most goalkeepers could probably go and play at that, at that standard. You're not really pressed, you know. When there's, there's back passes, no one closes you down. A cross comes over. Generally, to be honest, the games I watched, and this isn't all games, obviously, but the games I watched, there's not many, many crosses come to the crossbar. But when you drop into the uniform, you know, it's when the cross comes over, it's under the crossbar. And you know, there's been plenty of, you know, like Paul Sykes, who came to Stalebridge, he came not long after nearly breaking my neck in a challenge when he was at work. I think it was a workshop, somewhere like that. You know, so. It, it, it was good for me, and I would encourage any young lad that's sort of tinkering around the peripheries, the 21s, if you can get out into it, into a decent conference north or even even like what was Unibon, like a northern prem team or like that, you, you've got to have good it. It's character building, you know, and if you can't handle it, then you probably shouldn't be a keeper. Um, at that point, you, you've got a good run of games in at Bamba, um, yeah. and you sort of started to get a bit of name for yourself when you were bought by Lee, who were who were big at the time. Um, yeah. And they had, a, they had a good goalkeeper as well at the time called, is it David Felgate? Yeah, Felgate, yeah. It was, so I've been, I've been at Brig, I've had a couple of seasons at Brig, I was going to go to Tramier. You know, I think I'd been in at Tramier and it was the year that they won the Worthington Cup. And I was flying, and I, do you know what, I was flying, I was doing well, um, but I did, I twisted in training. Just felt like a, a bit of a, a tweak in my knee. Went to see the specialist the day after. Um, I tore my cartilage in two places and also they told me that I had no anterior cruciate ligament. Well, I didn't know. No, I, I never had one. I never had one. So that sort of scuppered and he moved to Tramia. Um, I came back to Brig. It was weird, really, because it was Preston North End that did my rehab. Rathbone at Preston North End allowed me to train with them every day to do my rehab. And then I got back here. Started playing again at Brig. I built up the strength in my legs to be able to do it without a cruciate ligament. And then we played Lee at home. I had a world here. And Felgy pulled me after the game and said, I'm going to get him to get you in for next season as my replacement. Like, right. It's a, bit, it's a bit of a strange conversation after the game. Yeah. And lo and behold, he did. You know, and it, it, was, it, you know, it, was, it was a good thing. You know, they got a bit of money. I think got few bags of crisp and a, and a diet coke for me but you know, at the time getting bought and going into the conference like I said you know we, we were a big team bizarrely we didn't get any fans because it was a rugby time but we, I think we came fourth in the conference that year um, you know we, we were flying we were a good side and you know, that, that was a great move for me really good move I, I enjoyed that move 
and and what was it like to work with Fel Felgi? Because uh, oh, you, you kept him out originally, and then you did you break your arm? No. So what I did, uh, Fel a legend. To be fair, you know when I got married, him and Ian Senior were best men at my wedding, um, and that's the esteem I hold both of them. I mean, you know, I've, I've got friends who are more my age group without saying that they're both considerably older than me. But one, one thing, my best mate wouldn't speak in public to no chance of getting him doing it. He's more likely to hit someone with something. Um, but I thought it was probably best that they played a big part in, in me as a person and football. And Dave Felgate was class with that because I got into league. Going to any club, a place who's a legend, you know, is really, really difficult. It's probably one of the most difficult things you could do, especially as a keeper. Because you can't say you're going for any other spot. You can't say, oh, I'm coming in, but I can play anywhere. But you can't, I'm a goalkeeper, that's it. And he was a legend who played full of in the FA Cup. He was ridiculously good. Um, you know, and he said, I don't just get better with age. Then I think he'd inclined that he didn't want to play. And he took quite a lot of pressure off me because he got the fans on side with me. Um, which he didn't have to do. No, he didn't have to do that. But that just tells you the type of guy that he is. He's such a nice guy. Went in and loved it, loved training with him because I learned I learned so much. But I, it wasn't just the goalkeeping element that I learned off him. It was how to hold my own, not just as a goalkeeper, but as a person. So there, there were things like, as a goalkeeper, you can't escape the fans. You can't get away from the fans. The fans are right behind you for 90 minutes of the game. You learn that much about your mum and your kids and your missus in that match of them fans because they'll tell you they'll tell you also <laughs> when you're a young lad you can't you know you don't know how to deal with it um, well he taught me some stuff uh, you know uh, and he, he did I remember him playing in a game and they were they were slating him calling him fat and his response was the only reason I'm fat is because every time I sleep with your missus she gives me a biscuit and and I, and I just thought to myself you know that's they're never going to come on the pitch to have a scrap with you so get mouth it and I did and I loved it and that's probably a lot of fans out there don't like me, but they don't like me because I give it back. Yeah, you know, and, and I did give it back. Sometimes I probably went over the top, to be honest, because I thought. But that that you know, I didn't just learn about how to be a better goalkeeper off Dave, and I, I learned how to do all my own. Um, and it it was good. I got in the team. I, I was flying, and, and there was no animosity either. It was I sort of learned a lot about the goalkeeper union off Felgy as well. He made sure I was right for every match, regardless. And then I think it was Harryford away. I think when I landed awkward on my knee. Um, I must have been giving up that day. So I remember being on the floor, being injured. And I remember him throwing things at me while I was on the floor. <laughs> and Dave Porver was the physio who ended up coming to Staley Brooks. And they hit, I remember hitting him with like cans of coke and things that they were throwing at me. Um, and then Felgy got back in. Um, and then I got back in. And it just sort of went like that. But it was never... It was bizarre, really. It was sort of just... But amicable, whoever played, it didn't. It didn't really matter. We were both happy for the other keeper. Strange, yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned Dave Pover there, who's who's still at Stalybridge now. Um, there's another podcast that I think I've I've listened to a few before. Wasn't there a story about something to do with you and Dave on a coach or something like that that some people might not have heard if they've not listened to that one? <laughs> I mean, Dave Felger. Yeah, we uh, we 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 got. We got a little bit drunk on a on a trip on the way back from um, where did we play? It was a long way away. I just remember that we shouldn't have done the things that we did on the way down. Never mind on the way back. But I was that drunk during the game because I, I had a throw my toys at the pram at the back end of the league. But when my career, when it was coming to an end at the league, I knew I was leaving. 
I've been to China with Great Britain universities and the club had tried to sack me while I was in China despite telling me I could go and all sorts of things had gone on. And I did, you know, typical Craig Dukeson fashion proper through my toys out. And I got steaming during a game. I wasn't even in the squad and I got absolutely <laughs> bladdered. And I was drinking like bottles of Lucas here, but they're full of red wine. <laughs> and on the way home, Dave Pover had to tuck me and fell me up in the beds under the court because I was that, that drunk that I couldn't even talk. And they had to hide me away from people because it was so bad. And then when I, I remember getting off the coach and as they were at Lee where we used to get off and my dad had pulled up in the car and I just fell off the coach <laughs> head first and my dad just drove off. <laughs> I just said, you can get oh, your own oh. I was hammered, but Dave Pover had looked after me. He kept coming down to tilt me on my side to make sure I was all right because <laughs> he was that worried about me. Uh, out of everyone, I think Dave Porter got me the most. I think he, uh, <laughs> he realised I was a, I was a potential troubled soul. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, we uh, yeah we <laughs> yeah, we had we had a good drink that day. We we sort of started before kickoff. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And um, when I when I was doing the research, you just mentioned it then. I I thought I, I never heard something like this before, but you just mentioned about going away with the British universities for the Student yeah. World Games. What was that? Well, I got bizarrely. So I was a student. I was a real student. Some of the team were not real students. Um, well, they were, they were all students in the technical term that they were all on a course, but I wouldn't say they all attended university full time. Um, I just remember, just got a thing for I didn't even play for Edge Hill. I didn't play for my, my university. I, I played in the first year, but then in the second year, it was in the conference at Lee. And it was sort of, am I going to risk getting injured for my university when I'm earning X amount of hundreds of pounds on a Saturday? Quite a rich student, to be honest. I lived at home. It was it was great. I was living living the dream. Uh, and then we just got a thing through inviting us to Great Britain Universities trials. Didn't even play for England. Missed the England bit and got invited for the Great Britain University trials. We turned up at um, where were the first ones were. Well, I think they were Loughborough. Played forty five minutes. Didn't think nothing about it. I don't think I touched the ball. And then next thing we were invited into Bishop Abbey. And there were 20 odd of us there and saw that we were the team that had been selected to go to China for Great Britain. Um, yeah, it was a bit weird, really, because we were all conference players. They were, they were all, you know, they were big name conference players in the team. But lads at walking, at walking at the time, they were paying thousands. We were the richest student team, I think, ever. <laughs> um, went out to did Hong Kong first, training camp, and then, and then it went over to Beijing. And it, was, it was an experience, I think, looking back. I could have, I could have carried myself a little bit better when I was out there than what I did. Um, I think I would have probably enjoyed it more. I mean, there's things that we did while we're out there away from football that were ridiculously good, like the Great Wall of China. Everyone thinks it's just a wall until you're on it, you know. And I, I can clearly say that when you're on it, it is something that is mind blowing. Um, but it was, it was, a, it was a great experience. I've still got all the photo album things like that, and a few of the lads that we, we stay in touch with each other, which is not really the norm in football. Once you move on, you will really keep in touch with one, maybe. But quite a few of the lads stayed in touch. But it was, it was a good experience, and you know, enjoyable. Um, typical, very similar to what happened at Lee. I spat me, spat me, me out when I got dropped in a game, and kicked the water bottles over, and got told it was a disgrace. But <laughs> in my eyes, I just kicked water bottles over. So, yeah. you know, it's easy now. Easy now when I'm a, a bit older, a bit more experienced. But obviously, then I was just mad I wasn't playing. 
Yeah. I can't remember. I think it was actually against Japan and Japan and beat us. And I thought, I think it's something I like United players we won't have to beat. Oh, yeah, it didn't go down that well. <laughs> um, we sort of come to your time at Staley Bridge now. Um, you had three and a half, I think three and a half years here or something like that. And you, you've had 136 appearances and 37 clean sheets. Um, what was it like to play for Staley Bridge? And, and do you have it. any memories that stand out? No, I, I love I loved it being at Staley Bridge, and you know I don't need to. Say it. Everyone that knows me know that I think the time at Staley Bridge is the m- my most enjoyable that I've ever had, regardless of what it's ever been at. Um, you know, from everything from I remember the way I was treated when I when I came in is one thing, but also the way I was treated when I left. The way I was treated was 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 fantastic. It was great. I was going to Bury. You know, everyone was happy for me that I was going into full-time football. You know, yeah, clearly people wanted me to stay, but you know, the way the way that the club the club looked, looked out for the players. You know, we weren't a big team. Team, there was nobody. There was no one in the team that was on ridiculous money, apart from Paul Sykes. If he watches this, <laughs> um, but it was it was just enjoyable. Start to finish was 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 great. You know, and actually, my biggest regret, and this will upset a few people, was. When I broke my arm at Bury, and I was knew I was coming back into non-league football, I signed for Hyde, and my biggest regret was signing for Hyde and not re-signing for Staley Bridge because I did have that option. Um, you know, Steve Burr, I think it was at the time, wanted me to come back, and I didn't, and I, I went to Hyde for the wrong reasons. And I think, as, as everybody knows at Staley Bridge, once you're a Celt, you're always a Celt. The Hyde fans yeah. and all that as well, and the Hyde fans didn't like me from start to finish. I was at Hyde for three years. I stayed at Hyde for the finance. I didn't stay at Hyde because I love my football. I stayed at yeah. Hyde because I knew I was, was on the But my time at Staley was, was great. You know, the fans used to love it walking through the door. He was met straight away, was it? Oh, um, grand, um, Dorothy. Dorothy. He used to meet you at the front. Always, always got a smile on the face. Used to always say you couldn't have any tickets, and then write down how many tickets you could have. Um, and then you walk in, and they'd have John Hall and a few of the others sitting them in the little room, generally throw abuse at them, and then just walk in, abuse the refs on the way through, and then in the dressing room. And it was just fun. You know what? It was there was no big time Charlie's. It, it was a fun environment, and like I said, it, it definitely the best, the best time I've ever had playing football. I've had some great dressing rooms and had some great laughs, but. For a prolonged period of time, that's the best for me, without a doubt. Um, so I've got a couple of questions that people have told me to ask. I think you mentioned about like the fans before and how you learned how to give it back and stuff like that. What was the best or worst heckle you've ever had? The worst. There's two. There's two that I hate. Well, there's one that I hate, and I hate it with a passion. And there's one that. Now looking back on it, it was great banter. But at the time, it nearly got me killed. So the first one is Southport. There's a guy at Southport, a fan at Southport. All he does all match is go, Craig, all match. He doesn't say anything else except Craig for 95 minutes. That's all he does. And I swear, if I could, if he'd come near the boards, I would have battered him. He doesn't say anything else. He doesn't abuse. What do you say back? What do you say back to that? You can't insult him. No. You can't talk about who he stood with because he was stood on his own. And he, he just literally, Craig, Craig. Oh, oh my 
God, he sent me insane. Every game I played against Southport, he did it for years after that because he knew he pissed me off. Um, but the best one was the Barrow fans did me proper, to be honest. The Barrow fans did me a treat. Um, they, their supporters association played a game before they played us at home. Um, they played against Bolton Wanderers supporters, I think it was. And my partner at the time ended up my wife. Her ex-boyfriend played for Bolton Wanderers. And he told them that he was still sleeping with her. Um, so he came out to the game. And I remember coming, it was at home, and I come out of the tunnel, turned right, and was in that goal, and all the Barrow fans were behind the goal. And they were clapping me. And I was thinking, normally they're killing me. Why are they clapping me? So I clapped them. And as soon as I clapped them, he started singing, Gareth Donnelly, Shag your bird, Shag your bird. <laughs> he sang it all match. And honestly, my missus at the time was in the stand and they did, they, they sang it and sang it and sang it. They were telling me, your daughter's not yours, your daughter's not yours and all sorts. And they did me proper to the point where I was crying in the game at, at my head. Because actually the fact is, I knew it was true. But I wanted to argue with them to say, actually, no, I've slept with these missus. That's what I wanted to... But I couldn't... How did you get that yeah. argument over to... No. Barrow fans behind the goal who were laughing at you because you're getting mad. Um, and I did. I lost it. I completely lost it. I tried to get hold of a few of them. And, um, yeah, it wasn't particularly pleasant. I remember I remember she left the game with my mum and dad. They left early because it, it got that bad. It was... You could tell how much it got me. It made it worse. We got beat. So that made it even worse. But then I'd really give it to some of the fans. And then we had to play them away a couple of weeks later. And I just remember thinking, I didn't even go on the court because I don't take people that much. I, I got a lift there because I didn't want them because I didn't want them to see me getting off the court. Yeah. No match, they ran it again. They were throwing things at me. And but I, they had me for they had me for a couple of years with that singing that that. And you know, <laughs> I have a bit of with a couple of them on Twitter now where, where they, I did it on another, another cast uh, last year. It was a few of them jerked up about saying, "Oh, that was me." I just felt like saying, "No, it's all right. I know who you all were." At one point, I had lost it. Driving home from that Staley Bridge game that first day, Phil Eastwood refused to take me home. He actually stopped at the services. He said, I can't take you home, mate. You need to calm down. Because I was on the phone to people asking, where can I get all sorts of things from? Because I was going to go and really hurt Gareth Donnelly. <laughs> um, and it was, yeah, it was, it's the worst heckle ever. Um, I mean, most other clubs are all sort of standard. You know, you get the same, you know, generally about my nose, or <laughs> fat, even if you're not fat. Uh, you mention your mum, you know, and like I said, you can't get away from it. You, you're stuck. No. You, you're right in the mix. You, you, there's nothing at all you can do. You're stuck there. So you have to sometimes just give stuff back. And there's some things that I would say that I would never, ever repeat on a podcast. <laughs> because I think my kids watch it, they'd be mortified that the dad would actually say them things. But yeah. Yeah, most of them echoes on the side of the pitch and then it's done and dusted. There's been a couple of clubs where it's carried on in the back. If I knew that was happening, I wait for, when I was at Stirling, I wait for Kenny Mayers to leave and I follow Kenny <laughs> to the bar because <laughs> I always knew there was going to be trouble. Kenny was a bit glad he would be all right. <laughs> and I also had to back up what my mouth had got me into. So, yeah, but yeah, they're, they're probably the worst, the worst too. I've been heckled off my own fans. At Hyde, I got heckled off my own fans. Uh, one particular guy, a big fat guy, used to abuse me at the stand. 
Oh, I was their keeper. <laughs> wow. He just never liked me because I think I, I did say something about his weight when I was at Staley Bridge. Um, referred to something to do with weight watchers or something. So. <laughs> um, another one was it was actually Beachy that asked just said to mention anything about Dave Miller. Dave Miller, <laughs> what a guy he was. Dave, Dave Miller. So, some Dave. He used to believe it or not, you wouldn't even know this by just. People in football who see him just as a manager wouldn't know that you know, there's, a, there's a song that he sings, Sweet Child of Mine, which clearly I'm never ever going to try and repeat that song. But Dave Miller can actually sing that song and does it with the actions and everything. And he used to just randomly burst out with that song. Um, <laughs> we went to Newry on a trip um, to be careful how much about the trip I, I let out, but we went, we went on a bit of a we went a bit of a, a pre-season trip to Newry, uh, friendly games, which and which ended up in just a lash up because we were supposed to be training one day. And, but I remember at four o'clock in the morning, uh, Dusty or Dave Miller was sat on the piano in the hotel bar, blasting out "Sweet Child of Mine" with a cigar in his hand, telling us all that golf's off, golf's off in the morning, and if you're not in the bar by eleven, you're fine. We literally had to be in about 11 and we got that drunk. We were flying home that night. We got that drunk. There were lads getting back. I remember getting back to, I think it was Liverpool we flew to. Like lads had, they were like lads had lost golf clubs and everything. Like full golf clubs, clothing, everything had gone. Nathan Warren just had a putter coming round. Someone had took his entire bag. We were that drunk. No one knew, no one knew what I'd ever. But that, that's probably summed him up really. But manager wise, there was him and Jerry Lutchka and I used to call Jerry the KGB. I don't, don't know. I used to say he was a Russian spy. <laughs> um, and they were quite a good double act, really. Um, you know, looking back, I can't remember things like tactics and, and stuff like that. But they must have done something back because we did well. You know, we were competitive for a couple of seasons, which without really, you know, we didn't, like I said, we didn't break the bank, you know, players wise. You know, we had, a, we had a good team, but we weren't, we were by no means, a, at the top of the budget list. He, he was a good guy. He just didn't take, uh, he didn't take banter very well or, uh, when he was sober. When he was drunk, he was great. But when he was sober, he didn't... Uh, I know he upset me once. He called me. I'd had a hernia rock. And uh, he, said, he didn't blame me directly for getting beat off. He, he basically did. Well, actually, he did. He called me soft, but not to my face. And I jumped up and kicked the bin at him. <laughs> He went off down the tunnel and I was screaming at him down the tunnel trying to get some Kenny Mayers and a few people holding me back. And when he realised Kenny Mayers and a few others were in between because he turned around and went, oh, come on then. <laughs> and I couldn't get to him. So I was getting madder and madder because I couldn't get to him. And then afterwards, we were just laughing and joking about it. You know, it was... I, I like playing for him. You know, I, I really enjoyed playing for him. And I, I knew him from that short time at Morecambe because he was, he was up there with Jim Harvey. Um... And he came in and obviously dead knowledgeable we had a really good reputation. Um, and he, he did all right with me. So I can't I grumble about the things that you know that, that went on with us. It was a lot of any fallout, generally say with most managers with me, it was my fault. So <laughs> I mean, I, I will mention another manager now. I mean, I spoke to him to earlier today, and one of the questions I'm gonna ask you later is about a five-a-side team. And I spoke to a John Reed and he, oh, yeah. he put you in in his five-a-side team. 
How is it to work under Reedy? I'm good working under Reedy because he's as big as a lunatic as me. And he, <laughs> he sort of let you off the leash a little bit, um, which was good, really, because a lot of people, are, like I said before, you're away from football. I'm, I'm so soft. They're not, even at football, I'm soft. And on a pitch, you do have that facade where this is a keeper. You know, I, I would... And it, there was no barriers to what we're doing. And Reedy sort of allowed us to be that way. I think I think just before him, was it Raggy? I think Rag came in for a bit. Um, and it wasn't sort of curtailed a bit of the, the aggression in my game. I was I was at my best when I was aggressive. Um, and Reedy, Reedy allowed us to play that way. You know, and I, and I did. I, you just get you so fired up for a game. You used to think like you could set the world on. You know, and I, I never had, you know, I never had cross words with Reedy, you know, because I think he was the manager when I was when I was going to Bury. Um, he didn't want me to go, you know, he wanted me to stay, but I was in a position where I couldn't afford to take that gamble at that point. Looking back, was it a good thing to do? Probably not, but I'm also there's not many people concerned around myself. Well, I was a pro footballer for a bit. Yeah, on that side of it's great. It was just. I really, I did enjoy working for him. Mark Atkins, obviously, he was he was unbelievable. Who, who was with him? Um, we had a we had a really good team. Training was fun and enjoyable. Uh, but reading for someone so small, wow! Well, I, I think that was it. I, do, I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because he didn't just let you be who you wanted to be. You know, he, he let you be. He was a nutcase. He let you be a nutcase. Um, yeah. But if he was a silky footballer, he would let the nutcases look after the silky footballer. You know, that's the way it was. And, you know, tactically, he, he knew everything as well, Mark Atkins. He knew everything about the opposition. He knew all about the players, which, which was good for us because we didn't have that probably for 14, 15 games before he came in. It was sort of just, it was just too nice. We were too nice. I don't think we won a game for quite a period of time until they came in. Um, but, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was good. It's good to see him put me in. He's probably put me in, his, in the side team because my nose makes up for it. <laughs> so... Probably why. Um, just, just before we move on, I've just got a, f- a few questions about uh, sort of your players that you played with. Who was the best player you played with at Celtic? Best player at Celtic? Wow. Some good ones, but um, I really I really enjoyed playing with Colin Potts. Colin Potts, I, I love playing with Potts. Um, I wanted to kill him sometimes because he doesn't know how to defend. There was just so many different players for different things. Like Danny Caldercott was great. Nathan Wharton was brilliant. You know, but then Kev Parr. What Kev Parr was brilliant. You know, everyone goes, oh, who's the best player you play with? I play with people like Lee Trundle and stuff. And they are, you know, they are by far and away technically the best player you've ever played with. But yeah. people like Kev Parr, just for what he give you, you know, but also what he give you off the pitch, you know, Kev Parr was the captain on and off the pitch. And, but he, I really enjoyed playing with him. I think, you know, he was, he's older than us and he used to look after us quite a bit. And he was an experienced early bridge lad as well. You know, um, I think it was Chrissy Denham when we was there. Chrissy Denham was class. He was so fast. It was ridiculous. You know, we had uh, Greg Pierce centre half, Kenny Mayers. Oh man, do you know what? I wouldn't even want to say was probably the best. We just had like Sykes. He Sykes. He came in. And he obviously ends up as a Stalebury legend, you know. He's and it rightly so because he he was outstanding. He was something we didn't have. Um, he certainly didn't have his long flowing blonde locks. 
bizarrely for someone who looked like such a girl was an absolute lunatic. Um, and I, I enjoyed playing with him. It was more, it was so enjoyable. You know, but there was, uh, Danny Hooper technically was probably, probably up there with as good as anybody Hoops when Hoops was there at the beginning. Um, well, so anyway, it was, it was, I would like to say, probably the best stimulation to what he did on and off the pitch, probably, probably Parry when I was at Stirling Bridge. I, I, I loved it. I loved it working with him. Uh, the next one, uh, I, I bet you fancy yourself probably as a bit of a funny man, but um, who would you say the funniest player was? Potsy, Colin Potts. Colin Potts is the funniest. It was him. We used to travel in, me, Kenny Mayers, Darren Bowman and him. The minute he got in the car, nothing he'd say, nothing. But then again, there was like that in the dressing room. Nobody would say it in that dressing room. You know, whether it was before the game, people doing stupid stuff to you, or whether it was after the game, people peeing on you in the showers. No, the, the oh, Colin Potts used to do stupid things that you think now, you think, why was that even funny? But like, remember once we were sat in traffic, kept looking up at the sky, thinking, what are you doing? He's looking out the window, looking up at the sky, pointing. He's going, what? What are you doing? So we all like trying to look out the window, thinking, what's he looking at? And we didn't know he'd seen a woman coming walking up the road at the side of the car. And I swear now, honestly, she's walking, and we don't even remember where we were, at Milne Road, because we had to come off to, I think we nipped to the shop or something, we, we'd come off early. And this woman started looking up at the sky, and Potsy's got like looking up, pointing up at the sky. And she ended up walking right into a sign. It is one of the funniest things. And we were all sat in the car, howling, laughing. I'm not fat, <laughs> I nearly weed a little bit. <laughs> uh, but stupid. But like that amuses me a lot. You know, like Kev Parwood, be in the shower and he'd hold on. Hold his willy to the very, very end so that when he weed, he would shoot straight up and he'd hit you in the face. Things like that amuse me. Old school banter is, is the best banter. You know, if you were to do that now to one of these young lads, oh my God, you've been caught. Yeah. Um, you know, like with you, there was no one safe. I remember... You know, he was funny. Chrissy Denham was a bit of a joker. Um, you know, I remember karaoke. was a sportsman the pub going down the hill. We did karaoke one. We all gone out and had a few drinks once. And we did karaoke. And, uh, you know, people were naked. And we ran off with the clothes and left them in the pub naked. And you know, ran down into Staley Vegas. It was just, it was enjoyable. But Potsy was, Potsy's probably the funniest lad I've, I've had in a dressing room. You know, I've had funny played with funny players since. It was more, we were all mates, we played it better. Yeah. We all drank together. Right now you're thinking, good God, some of them Thursday nights after training, you know, we were, we could certainly drink drink a few beers because it was mandatory. You had to go back to the sportsman after training. You had to go back, you didn't go back, you were fine. Um, but yeah, I would, I would definitely say Cole um, with a combination of a couple of others like Nathan Warren, Danny Coldwell and Chris Denham were like, all about the same height as Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> and they all they were all ruthless when they got together, regardless of who you were, no one was safe. But I'd, I'd certainly I'd certainly go with, with Potsy was my funniest. Probably because I travelled with him as well. <laughs> you mentioned about like old school banter then and how it wouldn't get uh, about now. What what do you think of how non league has changed from back then to now? Well, this way, we never had a protein shake on a cup. <laughs> Um, I get why it's changed and I do there's a lot of money involved now um, not that we didn't respect the fans because we did but our way of respecting them was we'd have a pint with them after the game 
No, I think you you're under that much scrutiny. Like your mobile phone is your biggest killer. You know, people film some of the stuff we did back then. You know, and never mind what people were doing ten years before us. Not saying the banter's gone because the banter hasn't gone. It's just different. Um, there's some clubs still have it. You know, I worked under Burn and John at Salford, and that is as close to line as you could possibly get for a, a long period of time. And we have we have some fun where I'm at now. It's just it, everyone's an athlete now. You know, I remember pre-season. You'd come back from pre-season, and the lads wobbling in. They just spent like eight nine weeks on the lash. Yeah. Well, no, you don't. Your lads come back on the first day of pre-season. Pristine shape, you know, the chisel. Look at some of the lads at Chorley now. You're in the dressing room. You're looking at lads who are like absolute specimens. <laughs> um, where we were, he'd probably start running eight, eight, nine days before pre-season started because we'd just been drinking all the way through. Um, and like I said, after the game, you'd be straight in the barrel having a pint. If you didn't go in the bar and have a pint, you'll find. Where now there's lads walking across with the protein shakes and a bar and, you know, the body's a temple, which is great. You know what? And I'm not, I'm not digging that out. I just, I enjoyed it more then than what I do now. It's probably, that's probably why enjoy working with Vermont and Preci at Chorley because we do have a plan. Obviously not at the minute, but, you know, when you can't have a pint, you have a pint after the game, you know, we're course trip at all. We'll yeah. certainly have a glass of wine and a, and a beer. So I enjoy that side of it. Um, I, I do think it's changed. I, I think some of it's had to change from the best. I think some of the things we used to do, you, you, you get destroyed for now. You know, when I was a young lad, some of the stuff that went on at football clubs, you know, you you, were, you get caned for that. It'd be, it'd be on Snapchat and Twitter, and you there'd be people getting sat back right and centre, even though it is just banter. There's no harm in it. It's only banter if people find it funny. The minute someone doesn't, then it, it flips the other side. So, but I do. You know, I, I miss that side of it. I've got to say, you try and keep it alive the best you can. You know, coaching wise, I try and keep it alive the best I can. But harder these days. Yeah. Um... Carrying on then, who, who do you think is the worst dressed player that you've played with at Celtic? Worst dressed player ever played with at Celtic. Worst dressed. Wow, there were some bad ones. Nathan Wharton, Danny Caldercott. Generally, we've gone out on night out. The tops were off at some point anyway, so it didn't matter what they were on. Uh, Oh, worst dressed. Worst dressed. Let me just have a look at my WhatsApp group to just see yeah. who on here do I think. I can't say Earl because Earl will kill me. Oh, Dave German. Dave German. Hundred <laughs> percent Dave German. I think he still wears boot foot jeans now. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I probably said Dave German, but more, not that he wouldn't be bothered one bit. Um, let me go through some of the other ones looking on here. No, I would probably say, yeah, I'll go with Dave German. Yeah. And then the final one on your Celtic teammates is if you had to pick a five-side team, uh, and you you can you can put yourself in if you if you want to. Uh, but who would you who would you pick? <laughs> who would I pick? <clears throat> five-side team. Oh, I'd have to. Potsy would have to play. I'll put. Um, I'll not put myself in goal. I'll put. Um, Priestley and I, I like Phil and he, he's, he's a lot larger than me so he'd fill the ball um, probably 
whether to go for brute size or speed. So I don't know. Probably Danny Caldercott there for Wharton, Danny Hooper and Pops would be a decent five-a-side team. Or if you wanted to scare the opposition, I'd have to put Earl in there with Sykesy, Penny Mayers, um, and probably Greg Pierce. I don't think we'd win many games. But <laughs> I don't think many teams would enjoy playing against them at five-a-side now. No. Yeah. No. Um, so the next, the next uh, part of your career was you mentioned you got your chance in full-time football. Um, what was that like when that came about? You know what? It was it was different. I, you know, on the Friday I was working eating Kentucky Fried Chicken for my dinner, and then on the Monday I was at Bury doing pre-season. Um, probably, I don't think. Difficult. I, w- I was a non-league standard goalkeeper, I think, my, my opinion now, looking at it. Um, I think what was really difficult, and Bury I signed at the same time as Neil Edwards, who was always going to be number one. You know, he's never never played anywhere outside the Football League. Uh, we got into Bury. I'd obviously got him as his number two. Um, and we had a goalkeeping coach with Fred Barber. We had the same goalkeeping coach as Bolton Wonders. So two, three days a week, we would train at Bolton Wonders with Yaskalina and Ian Walker. And it would, you know, it was probably a bit much for me. I loved it. Don't get me wrong. It was great. You know, some of the things that we got up to were, were great. And Fred was an unbelievable coach. It just, I probably wasn't ready. Having come from the lead to going into that, you know, with an international goalkeeper, well, a few international goalkeepers, and then Staffy was brilliant. We had Jill too, who was at Rochdale, he trained with us as well. You know, I was significantly behind that. Um, I did my best to try and, you know, try and keep up with them, but it's hard when you don't play um, and you're trying to make a reputation for yourself. And it, it was very, very hard. I'd gone from, I'd gone from working and playing to just playing to the point where I'd finish at like one o'clock and I felt like I was skiving because I thought, well, I've got any work to do. I used Because I was used to working nine to five or, Ten to six, whatever it was. Used to, I didn't really enjoy it in that year as much as what I could. And then I got in the team, and obviously it's significantly different when you get in the team. Um, I got in, and I think it was five or six games, and then I, I snapped my arm against Barnet. Um, didn't feel as bad as it was originally. Just felt like a dead arm. And then I remember trying to play on with it, and I soon found out it was definitely broke. Um, just it, I was devastated because I didn't want it to I knew it was the end then because it was sort of mid, mid I think it was late February when it happened and I, I just knew that it was I was never going to get re-signed new manager would come in Chris Casper who I don't think particularly liked me I don't think he rated me then it made it even harder when they replaced me with Casper Michael but what, what do you do with that? Yeah. You go from sort of all the Bury fans like you because you knew you're young, you're fresh, and, and then suddenly Casper Michael's in, and within a game you were forgotten. Casper would come from Man City then, and remember a score. I remember sat in the stand, and I was sat near his dad. We scored in the crowd with the fans, and I remember thinking, "Oh, do it a favour, mate," you know, because he just <laughs> killed you. He just killed you off, and yeah. you know it was. He, he was good, but I sort of realised then that I was not. I was never going to be that level. And, as much as I thought I could have been, I think it was 24, 25 when I went to Bury. It was sort of, I'd have maybe done it when I was 19, 20. I might have been able to develop, but 
I wasn't the young kid. So people weren't willing to give you the time that you needed because you, you're big twenties. I think people expect you to be there and thereabouts, and I wasn't. I wasn't good enough. Um, so I didn't enjoy it as much as what I should. And then obviously injury. You know, there was a lot of metal in my arm now after that. It's still in now, but it was never, never right after that. So it comes to the end of that time, and to to mention a few. A few of the clubs before the end of your career, you had Hyde, Alfreton, Fleetwood, Harrogate, Altsy, and, and I think Kendall as well. Do you, yeah. do you have what, any of them that stand out as, as, as another time you enjoyed? The Hyde one started off well um, in relation to who we had there. You know, I met real good mates with them. We had, we had players who'd been with me at Stirling, you know, like Danny Cole, Cotton, and Nathan, and, and then one of, a real good mate of mine, Gas Seddon, he, he was yeah. there, Earl Davis was there, and you know, we, we had a really, really good team. And then I, I think the club just sort of got ideas about the station. We were flying, we should have lost that league, the team we had. You know, Matthew Tips and Chris Sim, Nicky Plea. But then it just sort of, I don't know, it got to the new year. We went from flying at the top to suddenly about eighth or something. And brought in a lot of new players that didn't really set in with us. And then two years of that, and then there was money issues that, you know, obviously don't go too much into it, but when you're not getting paid, yeah, you're expected to turn up three times a week. You're not getting paid. My, my argument was always, well, would you do this if it was your job? Would I turn up and not get paid? And I remember making a stance, and it was at Staley Bridge. I was just going to mention that. And, I, and I, I refused to play because I'd not been paid for eight weeks. Don't me wrong, I knew where I was going to go next because of, you know, an agent had rang me and said, these want you. Submit your contract now. Let you know. I wanted my money. That was all. Doing a lot of money. You know, it was in the thousands. Yeah. Um, and I remember. I think I told him I wanted checks or postdated checks when I got to the game. Neil Tolson, I think, was there. And they didn't give them me, and I think they named me in the team. And I went, "Don't waste your time." And I went and sat in the stand. It happened to be at Staley Bridge. Um, I just remember sitting in the stand. And the game kicked off, and I remember thinking, "What have I done? What have <laughs> I done?" Um, we got apps. I think he pasted us. Clearly, um, that was going to be my fault. The Eid fans just detested me. But I get it as a fan. I understand that you see a player that makes that stance. Would I make it again? Probably not at the game. I probably would in the week. I probably still would stick to my guns a little bit. I've been thought about it. So you're not paying me. Would I get up and go to work if you weren't paying me? Probably not. No. No. So. That then was, well, was disgusting then because I, I, I became a leper. I, I was only yeah. a leper because I couldn't do daily, but I suddenly became really, really disliked. Um, probably, you can't blame people. Let me shut the door so the dog's whining. That's okay. So, it was, uh, that wasn't particularly great. I went, I went there to Alfredson, great idea, but then, for me, there was a significant change that I was playing just for money. I had I had young kids, well, a young, a young kid, and I knew there was going to be another one. And can you hear the dog? It's okay. Um, and I, w- I literally went to Alfredton. It was 127 miles from my door to Alfredton, 127 miles back. Um, and it was impossible. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And I tried to do it. And, you know, they were patient with me. I got really, really lucky. I worked in Blackpool. And I, I suddenly got a phone call. 
saying Fleetwood Town have put an offer in for you, they're going to buy you. It was like the best thing in the world. I was thinking, you've got to be kidding me. And I went and I went to Fleetwood with a clause that said I couldn't play against Alfredson. And lo and behold, who did we get in the playoff final? Alfredson. <laughs> um, and, we, and we beat them. Yeah, then Fleetwood went full time. I at that point, my career at work, I was I was doing well at work, um, and I wasn't willing to to sacrifice. Well, um, but I didn't love the game, but I knew I was playing for money, um, and it was a bad place to be. You know, there was a lot going on off the pitch. Um, you know, no coincidence. Early on in my career, most of my contracts were two, three years. When I got to the end, it was six months here, one year there, six months here, one year, and it was because. You know, I had so much going on. When you look back, it was not a particularly great time for me. Um, and ended up in a not a particularly great place because of it. But then, Kendall, I loved, I loved being at Kendall. Um, fans, that's why I hate seeing where it is now. Because I, I really did enjoy it. I loved playing for Lee Ashcroft. I think Sam, very similar to Reedy, he got me. He knew because he, he is, you know, completely up there. You know, and Ashley's coaching is as good as I've ever seen. Um, he got me and just let me be me, you know. But then, unfortunately, Kendall came under a few few issues in relation to money. Um, a lot of people left, but I stayed to try and help the young lads. Um, and I'm glad I did because I, I, I then was playing football because I enjoyed playing football, not because I was picking the money. But I knew it was my last year then. Yeah. I just tailed it off. I went to Droylsden and probably the worst thing I could have possibly ever done. Um, <laughs> went there and I remember. I'm not, not proud of it by any means. I remember playing Grant from away and I remember thinking we played Chorley next week with Chorley. And I don't want to play as Chorley. I'm from Chorley. We were getting hammered every week. And I remember the set of all coming through from Grantham and I just thought, oh, you're going to And I did. I just volleyed him up in the air outside the box to get a red card. <laughs> um, and he, you know, that wasn't a particularly good thing to do, but there was no way I was playing against Chorley. I think Chorley ended up being over 13 one and daft. Wow. And I, I weren't involved in because my mates would have really enjoyed that game. Um, but yeah, I think playing wise, you know, near the end, Arrogate was okay, but it was Fleetwood was great. I only left Fleetwood just because they'd gone full time and I couldn't. Well, they understood. They offered me a contract, but my contract was like £150 a week or to go full time, but I was on £30,000 a year at work. So why would you give yeah. £150 a week? It doesn't, the two don't match up. I don't know, quite a few lads have discussed this with over the years. And you know, I was 30, I think it was 31 or two at the time. And I just said, no, I'm, I'm done. Um, can't do that. Work's got to come first now. You know, I'm not going to get a 10 year contract to tell myself 40, but I couldn't get yeah. it, which, you know, touch wood. I've, I've done all right with work. And I think it's horrible. It's, um, no, it's, it's probably the right decision at the time. I could have stayed, but I stayed very friendly. Mickey Mellon, because I've worked with him since the Tramere and stuff, and Andy Billy, I still speak to. You know, they're great people, but probably after after Stalybridge, you know, it was up there, and then Kendall was probably enjoyable wise, was, was great, enjoyed there. So we come to the end of Craig Dukeson's playing career, and I think one of the first things you did was um, you, you had three and a half years at Salford as a as goalkeeper well, coach? I went to Fylde first, um, literally just for a year. Um, I, I wanted to be an agent. I wanted to be a footy right. agent. I had my mindset, that's what I was going to be. I was going to help people. Um, and it was the year, I think it was around that time, they, they took off, you two have to take an exam to be an agent or something like that. And, and it all set. 
and then suddenly they removed it and every time they can only become a football intermediate everyone suddenly become an agent yeah um, the market and I didn't want to do it because um, I wanted to do it because I backed myself to pass the exam and backed myself because of contacts and because I work you know I'm not right I'm also you know relatively intelligent at work and I thought you know what I'll, I'll be alright with this and it just watered it down for me. I didn't want to do it. And then Dave Challenger rang me up and said, do you fancy coming coaching for me for a year? And I, and I didn't really want to, but then I went and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I worked with Ben Intercliffe and then yeah. the man on the goalkeeping school and over, over in Yorkshire and he had me doing bits for him. I really got into it and then I ended up, bizarrely, my first year of coaching, um, my mate was goalie coach at Leeds with Neil Sullivan. Neil Sullivan was first team goalie coach and he was second like uh, under-21s or under-24s whatever it was, 23s. But his missus was TV and she was going on to land a celebrity to get me out of here and he needed someone to cover for a number of weeks for him. I went in thinking, oh, I was taking the kids. So I went to Leeds, drove up to Thorpe Park, just taking the kids and I turned up and the first day I had nine broke keepers. But luckily enough, the best thing was it was one was Alex Kearns who'd been yeah. at Staley Bridge. So the first thing he said to me was, I've seen your picture up in the tunnel at Staley Bridge. And it, it was weird because it just like broke the ice and he, he was great. You know, he was, he was unbelievable. And you know, I went, in, went there and then, obviously it was only everything at Leeds. I was never going to be goalkeeping coach at Leeds as much as I would love to have been. You know, but it was a good experience for me to see how it worked. And I took loads from that period when you read. And then got to the end of the year Salford, bizarrely, Vernon Jono's first game was against Bamba Bridge and Jay Lynch had broke his arm. And they rang us up and said, we need a goalkeeper. And I said, I haven't caught one. I even remember the game, we were supposed to be playing Telford on Saturday. We knew it was going to be off because the pitch was flooded. I said, no, we want you. I thought, you got to be kidding. They play for a year. And they were like, no, no, we want you just because of your mouth and you'll organise and we know what we'll get off you. Um I remember playing the game and <laughs> we won it. I had a decent game as well, even though I looked like Barney the Dinosaur and all the <laughs> um, had a really good game. Then they had a goalie coach, so I didn't even have a conversation with them because I, I, don't, I don't believe in stepping on people's toes with things like that. And he said, Oh, we want you to come in. And I was like, Well, you've got a coach. I'm not going to do it while you've got a coach. And then when the season comes to an end, they rang me. So we want you in. I said, What about your coach? And I went, what, what coach? Um, and then I was in that was it um, and to be fair I, I loved it at Salford um, took away all the razzmatazz and all the all the stuff that goes on but I tended not to get involved with it probably up until the last year I stayed out in the documentary quite a bit and then but leave that to Vernon John all that well more John all than Vernon John all, John all liked all that side of it but it was good the club are good Karen Karen's unbelievable I watch what she does there she, she's great and like like the committee guys, you know, like all of them. There's not one of the committee guys that love us. They're all brilliant. And obviously the owners, the owners were always all right with me. You know, I didn't, I didn't spend much time with them because I was the goalie coach at the end of the day. But they're always great with me. And if I, you know, I see a few of them meetings about all hotel football and places like that. They always, always went away to speak to them. I must have done all right while I was there. But it was good. It was enjoyable. I really, really did enjoy it. Um, even yeah. when they went to the Stayed on, used to do my hour in the morning and shoot off to work quick. So, yeah, it was good. Um, when when you when you speak about Vernon Jono, 
uh, everyone knows them as as quite quite characters in non league. What was it like to work with them? You know what? The the good, you know. Everyone, everyone see you, you see what you see on the documentary or you see what you see on the sideline. Don't be wrong, you will not cross either of them by any means. You know, if they they come after you on a night out, you, you would um, but the reality of it is is what, what they don't get credit for is the stuff that no one else sees. You know, they don't yeah, they're very, very good at picking a team. They've picked a team that they trust solely. They're in it now with just pick a team that will live and die. Um, they will do the same for the players. I have a very simple theory of one in all in, and, and that is you know, really paramount to what they do. But also, what you can see is John Orr picks up every little detail. He knows everything about the opposition. He knows every set piece. He knows every every player. He knows the insides of everything. And Bird is a really good coach. He doesn't like admitting it because I don't think he. Sometimes they probably struggle to take, you know, credit for things like that. Yeah. What you see is they're ranting the Raven and Scream. Don't we probably do rant the Raven and Scream, but, you know, I've been addressing a few times thinking, Christ, could I, I could have played for them. I think I'd have lost it and I'd have ended up in a bad way because I think they would have beat me up. Um, but what people don't see is the, the, the you know, the, the attention to detail. Well, and they're really, really good at it. You know, they didn't get any credit not saying they didn't get any credit. You know, when we went to Salford and we went, went full-time that first year, what people don't realise is we turned up at a training ground with nothing. We had nothing. I remember meeting, and it was a kit man, Rutchie. The club would never have took off being pro. I didn't know if people like Rutchie and John and Bernard, who, you know, they really got hold of it. I remember Rutchie being down at the training ground, putting things up on the wall in the dressing room and, you know, making sure we had everything. We used to order our own dinners. <clears throat> you know, Bern would order food for the lads. You know, training, we could train on the pitch. It was Bern and John all that was arranging somewhere else for us. In that first year, I'm not saying you know, it's probably very different now, but in that first year, there were so many things went on. I think a lot of people were looking for them to fall, on, fall flat on the face. When we went full-time, I think people were saying, they'll never do it, they'll never do it. They didn't do it. They were capable of doing it. Um, you know, they actually lost the job after after getting promoted. Yeah. So that year, granted, you can't say you're lucky if you get promoted. I don't think we're particularly great that season, but we got promoted. Um, and they lost their jobs and, you know, the club was going one way and they didn't see them in the equation. You know, I stayed. I stayed for a little bit and worked under Greza, but it was very different. We had a real good understanding. I would take the goalkeepers and then go to work. Um, where Greza wasn't used to that environment. He was used to someone who had a job. You know, and, I, and I get on great with Graham. But I, I just said to him one day, Graham, I can't do this. I've got a, my other job. It's all my bills. This pays nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, I just about covered my maintenance. That was it. And I, and I just had to, you know, I knocked it on the head. I made the decision. I found my own replacement. I found out Carlo Nash was looking for a job. I rang Carlo. He's only found your own replacement. I remember ringing Graham up saying, I think I've got somebody who can take the job. Uh-huh. I, just, I, just, I think, you know, because I do, I, I, love, I loved it at Salford. You know, a, a great club, and I've, I've gone back quite a few times. Obviously, not in the last year, but go back a few times. I love going back, and I'll sit with Karen and send a little lad to the game. And well, I, I really like what we've done there. Uh, just never, I really enjoyed it so much, probably because of the Vernon Vernon Jono effect. As much as in all good fallout, I made no mistake about it. We 
week and they fall out. There's still, you know, from my side, hopefully for me, definitely a respect there for each other for what we did. Um, you know, and they must have shown because they used to leave me be with the goalkeepers. You know, they just let, let me go. I said the goalkeepers weren't doing something, they weren't doing something, they didn't argue with it, that was it. So, but they are very knowledgeable, and I think that's what, you know, they don't, they don't win a uh, win, win ratio, we don't want it is without being knowledgeable again. Yeah. So. Uh, and then you had a taste of, I mean, I know it was a difficult time, but you had a taste as an assistant manager at Kendall. Um, I think they had no money, and I remember seeing you on Twitter just trying to scrape a team together, really, wasn't it? What was that like? Oh, so Steve Edmondson was like, he was manager, I think he was. And I knew Steve because he was there when I was leaving. <clears throat> and he said, oh, do you fancy coming in as assistant manager? And I was like, well, not really, no. No. I said, oh, it'll be good, it'll be fun. And he, he owns a place up in the lakes. And he said, you know, I'll treat you. I'll make sure you can have a few weekends away. So that sort of softened me up. He's <laughs> a great player. Um, and I went... I remember saying, right, what's the team like? He said, well, we're struggling for players. I went, how many players have we got? He said, three. What? He said, three. I went, what, three injured? Oh, we've got three. And he said, no, we've got three. Everyone's left. I just remember sat there, just going, you've got to be kidding me. You're like, is this, is this a bad? I was, I was looking around for someone to jump up. And we literally, I had to beg every contact I had for players and we and so I had to say to him, listen, you're not going to train. We ain't going to train. We're going to turn up against Market Drayton first game. And we're going to see what happens. On the Thursday night, I drove over to like Merseyside to sign a player on. And I drove to Ashton United's training ground to sign the keeper on. Bannon let me take a keeper. Um, then I'd gone somewhere else to sign a player. Charlie it was to get a couple of young lads signed. And I'm all ready for the Saturday. And... Uh, Marky Drayton and we're just with a team of kids that hadn't even met each other. Uh, and we got there, I just remember thinking, horrible dressing room was disgusting. And I thought, we're going to get hammered. We're going to get hammered. And the club had really deteriorated. Really. Warm up tops smelt of mould. It, it, was, it, was, it wasn't nice, to be honest. And it, I felt, I was quite sad about it, really. Give me a bit more of a bite to try and get a fix for him. Anyway, we, we beat Market Grade. We were about, I'm sure we were two or three nil down in the first 20 minutes. I remember thinking this is going to be 10, 15. We beat him. And I've never had that. I think I celebrated that night when I got back more than I'd celebrated any game. <laughs> Just got absolutely leathered. Uh, not that it, it doesn't very much, but. It would just leave it. This team of kids had just turned Marky Drayton over. And it, you know, there's a lot of people who you know, helped me out. You know, I had a, like Steve Cunningham, who's at Gerson now. He sent me the entire Marky Drayton team with all the data on the team and all the breakdown of the players. And I was like, I'm kidding me. Why would you do that, man? And it just because I've been, but I suppose the theory is if you don't ask, you don't get. What's the worst that someone can say? No. You know, he helped me out. There's a few other managers, Peter Bounds and people like that, proper non league lads who, who really helped me out. I did enjoy it, but then I got an offer then that, you know, to I'd only been in there a couple of games and then Liverpool asked me to to take over there and I'm not really sure you said no to that, to be honest. So no. I mean, what was it like to go to um Liverpool and I know we went into the women's game, what was that like as well? Yeah, it was so two things. One one was Liverpool, you know, difficult because I'm a Man City fan. 
Um, so that was that was a bit of banter. But the club, it was the fact it was Liverpool was, was great. The, the players, and I will never say a bad word about any player at Liverpool Football Club, certainly not about any female player. You know, the, the knowledge that they want to get, no matter what level you've been at, they will they will suck all the knowledge out of you if they can. You know, there were players there that were vastly experienced in the women's game. We were really eager to learn what I knew, even as a goalkeeper, even if it wasn't anything about, about goalkeeping. Um, the other side of it is that, I mean, the manager's now gone. She's, she's not there anymore, but didn't get on particularly great. Um, and I don't know whether I don't see, you know, most other managers that I've felt like we over the years, I would actually take it on the chin and say that was my fault. This was, was a little bit different. Um, even to the, it was great early on. It was good. The women's game is just very, very different. I found it. I'm not saying hard. I'm not, I, I did find it hard. There were things like, so like the dressing room. I'm used to being in the dressing room, having a laugh and a joke with the players. But obviously, in the women's game as a male member of the staff, you can't do that. Yeah. The managers done the team, so you've come out. I don't know if it's an actual rule or not, but there was a. I respect last thing they need is some 40 year old guy and addressing why there's a lot of women getting changed. Yeah. And um, I don't actually based on that, I don't think that I don't think the players would have bothered one bit knowing obviously I'd stay with them for a while after that. Um but I found that difficult having to wait on the pitch for the goals to come out. I found that difficult. I was used to being in the dressing room having a laugh and a joke. Um but then the game was very different and I don't think it's the women's game in general. The women's game in general is is great. It was my experience. Now, I'm not saying that was down to one particular person. There's probably a couple of factors in it, but it was a shame that it that it was like that because it was like things like we went to the states, we did the tour to America with a men's team, we went over, you know, turned up private plane, Liverpool FC on the plane. You know, I remember being stood in a queue and I had Van Dyke in front of me and then behind me, and it was like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Um, but then when we got to the other end, the men went one way, the women went the other. Um, the men, obviously, you know, they're, they're on a different stratosphere and I understand that. Uh, you know, the women's game is trying to get there. But I think that, you know, there's, there's people who aren't there now, but they certainly should have embraced trying to get involved with the men a little bit more rather than see it as us and them. There's always that perception that, well, the male game doesn't want to accept it. Well, actually... I've seen it the other way where actually there was people in the female game who didn't want to get involved in a men's game. And I don't know why I fear it. Why fear it? Embrace it. Yeah. Um, but then when I see other clubs, see Man City, you know, all the other clubs, uh, who else is at Arsenal, you know, they do embrace it. They want to learn all the time and you can see that the difference in, in the standard of, of what they do. Not saying it's down to the men's game, it's just the fact that it's football. It's not a men and women. It's just football. Football simple. I think it's very complicated by people at times. You know, and, and then it did end quite, you know, in the States. I was ready to come home in the States. If it had not been for the goalkeepers who I got on so well with, I would have come home and I've flown home myself. Um, it wasn't a particularly nice 10 days. You know, I made it as nice as I could in relation to myself because obviously I was, excuse me, I was away from home and you know, but I tried my best just to focus on the players and, you know, I've spoke to a lot of players since who said that 
I helped them through what was a very difficult tour, and it was a difficult tour. It was hard. Um, like training in the daytime, two o'clock. The men would never have done that. The local. Yeah. Uh, well, why the frigging hell? Picture on my phone after the training. It must have took me two days to cool down. There was a bin on the side of the pitch. It was that hot that the bin had melted into the astroturf in that, that day. And I was saying, well, the men wouldn't do that. You know, you wouldn't do it. You'd standing ground, eating times were wrong. And there were lots of things that were wrong. And I, and I know I'm fixing a lot of those issues. And well, to be fair, I think they fixed most of them. But it was, as a character, I'm not someone who keeps my mouth shut, which sometimes is no fires against me, but I'd rather say it than, than not. And some of the players were really struggling with it, so I tried my best to make sure they were all right. I remember going to shops buying food, like protein bars, and I got back. I'd sent my resignation email before we even got, got down the end of the runway on the play. You know, I was done. My mindset was I'm going to concentrate on watching a little lad and get back to try and enjoy it because it didn't kill my love for the game, really. You know, and that was not a Liverpool thing or a, you know, certainly was definitely not a player thing. The players were great. Uh, it was just a particular element of the women's side that, that did affect me quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, it's gone on record of, of your achievements this season at Chorley as a whole team. What has that been like? And is it up there with one of your best, one of your best achievements in your career with the FA Cup run? Yeah. When, when, the, when the season... When this season took off, I had no intentions of, of being involved in football. I, I was done, I was retired. I not said I was happily retired because I, I wasn't, you know, you miss that, you know, it's quite clear, I missed that crap with people. I, I, missed, I missed the banter. Um, I don't necessarily miss the game. Well, I'm pretty sure other players who are retired probably said the same. I'm like, you miss that, that dressing room. You can't ever explain to anyone. You can't explain that feeling of when you walk in the dressing room and that look that someone gives you and that, even if it's just like rubbing someone's head and sort of a, a sense of being in, involved in something. But I'd, I'd, I heard the Charlie job was coming up and I, it's quite funny really, I spoke to Bermo and it was actually brilliant because Bermo was said, well, let's have a meeting. And he actually said to me, you're a risk. And I said, what do you mean I'm a risk? And he said, because as you're a player, you're a lunatic. And you know what? I, I sat there and I thought, you, you're right, I am. Or I was. But as a, a coach, and I, I said to him, I said, I back myself as a coach. I, I'm, I'm comfortable what I do. I'm quite confident in my ability as a coach. You know, I work with some good goalkeepers and you know, some good mentors. And um, he was right. It was a risk. And I thought, well, actually. And he, he took a gamble, really, for him because Vermo is very close-knit about who he has around him. Um, and then he sort of said, well, let's see how it goes, first few sessions. And then after the first few sessions, I knew where I stood with him. He knew I was, you know, as a coach, I'm always willing to say something. Not, but I would never, ever say it to the manager. And I think that was his worry. Would I say it to a manager as, as him, front of the players? Well, he didn't know me as a as a coach, clearly. And I, I didn't do it. Um, and then the season, in relation to being up there, there's some downs because fans, no fans in. You know, my, my biggest upset about the cup was that my little lad couldn't come. Yeah. I love my little lad to be part of that. 
you know, for, for him to be able to come to the Wolf game, particularly, um, would have been, you know, right up there. You know, I think he enjoyed it anyway, watching it on telly and a few things that went on, but he, um, not having him at the game hurt quite a bit. I probably squid it a little bit. But, though, but also sort of, it's very strange. It's fantastic. The Peterborough trip home was ridiculous. Really, really good. And it was like being back in the old days. Yeah. But the Wigan game was surreal because we were in lockdown. We finished the game. Can you hear the dog going ballistic? We finished <laughs> the game. It's like me. One second, mate. Sorry, Pat. Don't bother me. The fact it's all a shadow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, um, the Wigan game was surreal. It was sort of... We won and we sang our Adele song that was... At the time, no one really expected that to become as well known as what it was it was and become yeah. like a bit ridiculous um, but then we all finished got we didn't even have showers because you couldn't have a shower because of Covid on your tracky got in your car and drove home yeah. it was like where any other day we'd have been in the bar till four or five o'clock in the morning getting absolutely willy beaming steaming so it was uh, that was bizarre but then the Peterborough game was right up there, you know, to do what we did at Peterborough against their first team was was ridiculous. Um, then the Derby game was a bit weird because we played against the kids. Yeah. So we went from being massive underdogs to being massive favourites in a in a week. And so the pressure then was on us because you don't really want to slip up against the team the youngsters from a club. So we then we beat them and then obviously we got we got Wolves, which you know, in all honesty, on the night, we should have got something. I think yeah. if it would have been a league game and we'd have missed those chances, we'd have been going ballistic because we had some real chances and they had two shots all match and one of them happened to be a world that did all sorts in the air and ended up in the, you know, in the top bag. So it, it, it is up there. It, it's definitely up there. You know, I've had, had a good cup run when I was at Bamford Bridge. had a great cup run when I, was, uh, when I was with Salford. We had a good cup run at Farway, up to Plymouth. You know, been a few clubs where we've had decent cup runs, but it, it certainly, well, it's the furthest I've been. Um, and it was definitely enjoyable. It's sort of sad, really, because we went from being right up there, so high, and playing Wolves to now the league's null avoided. and yeah. stuck in limbo. Because well, in my head, at the beginning of the season, my head was one more year. I wanted to get the love out of the game, and I didn't want Liverpool to be my last memory of footy. Um, and I went and I did it and I loved it but now I'm at a point thinking well it's finished we're finished in February that wasn't my plan yeah you know, so it's uh, plans change so so for the future of Craig Dutson is it are you saying that you, you after Chorley you're going to be done or or, or what's the, what sort of the plan yeah well I think Chorley will Chorley will be my last club Coaching wise, I think you know when when that comes to an end, I don't know. You know, Vermont might say, Dukes, you're not wanting next season anyway. So, but you know, it's I wouldn't I wouldn't go to another club after this. I think I'm I'm sort of done. You know, I'm work wise, I'm I've got I've got a I've got a good job. I work for a good company. I'm looked after at work, and I don't want to risk that by any means. You know, so I couldn't risk going back to a club that sort of delved in and out of daytime training because there's no way in my job I'm too busy to be able to to do that now. Um, I've always sneakily wanted to sort of go into management. I've always sort of just 
the taste of Kendall was quite good. I quite enjoyed it. Um, just where that will be, you know. I I always I always fancied the Bamber Bridge job. Always because it's on my doorstep, like five minutes from where I live now. But Jamie Milligan's there. You know, he's a mate of mine. I would never. You know, he's he's a fantastic lad, fantastic player, and a great manager. So I'd never even entertain it. Yeah. Um, like I said, it, it's more. You never know. If something comes up, yeah. fantastic. It doesn't. You know, I'm happy with what I what what I've done and where I'm going to end up. So can't, no, can't be grumbling. Yeah, and before we end this, I think you touched on it before about your your, your children. They, do, do they don't they both play football? And they, do you think they have a chance? A bit, bit, the little girl doesn't interested in anything now other than Horton. Horton, well, a boy at the minute, which is painful uh, <laughs> for me to deal with. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll not we'll not go into that one. Um, <laughs> just just in case he ever goes missing. <laughs> but um, my little lad, my little lad loves football. He, he loves football. Um, if he didn't look like me, you won't think he was mine because he's fast. You know that that's a death that you'll probably think he was Gareth Donnelly's. Um, but no, he's um, he's very he, he he loves his footing, and I, and I don't, he don't get any pressure. You know what? If he, you do all right. He plays for he plays for the in the youth setup at Chorley. Um, he plays for a team called Shine at Richard, and he loves it. He loves playing football, and I don't. Something happens. It happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I, I, he has to have his head screwed on at school. Yeah. Um, no, he, he's all right. It's just so hard. I know where ruthless football is. Yeah. Um, sometimes things. I'd rather you not play, but I love watching him. But to be further, sometimes I go and I want to kill parents. <laughs> well, you have to like stand away from everybody so Covid Covid was great at the beginning because you couldn't stand near anyone so yeah. I couldn't anybody um, but yeah it's uh, it'll be what it'll be you know he's got you know he goes out now he does his strength and conditioning twice a week with a club he goes for three runs a week no he does alright he's got such like a baby elephant but he's quick so it doesn't really matter <laughs> um, as long as he enjoys it that, that's all that matters whether he ends up playing on a park with his mates or he ends up playing Decent level of football. I've said that to me. You know, you can do all right playing not neither. You don't have to set your mind on I want to be a Premier League footballer because the chances are will he be a Premier League footballer? No, he won't. You know, I've told him that. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've just said, you know, set your mind on, you know, just play football to the best you can do, but make sure you've got a backup plan. And yeah. Not sure what his backup plan is at the minute. It's FIFA or Fortnite. Or <laughs> Call of Duty, they tend to be a backup plan at the minute for all these kids, don't they? So, yeah, Aussie's smiling, that's all that matters, mate. Yeah, well, I just want to thank you for coming on. I've been I've enjoyed speaking to you. Oh, pleasure, um, mate. Thanks for having me. And uh, you need to see if uh, any other lads in that group chat want to come on and have a chat about their time. Uh, as well. I'll put it on, I'll put it on now, mate. I'll message you straight away. I'm pretty sure they're quite good to get a couple of them on. Yeah, yeah, there'd be uh. Yeah, there's quite a few on there. Like I said, it was a group that was set up. Um, Kev Parr, obviously, was quite poorly early on last year um, and wanted to get all the lads back together. We didn't expect that so many would you know, be back in and we're, we're more good. We all had a big, a big drinking session planned last year, which we couldn't do. So, mini route of this, Marcus Allos is going to do his best Elvis again because I believe he still does his Elvis impersonation. So, he's going to do a bit <laughs> of Elvis. We're going to end up probably at Staley Bridge in the bar. And got absolutely steaming. Um, and Dave Pover and John Oak can foot the bill. <laughs> I'll let Dave know. 
Yeah, brilliant. All right. Cheers for that, Craig. All right, Bill. Thank you very much. Take Thank care. You.